Hey, everybody. Welcome back to FinTech Fridays. It is Friday, thank God. And we have a very special guest. Catherine Campbell is joining me today. And as, as our loyal watchers and listeners know, usually I'm talking about cool technology, cool products and services, and, and kind of introducing some new, new products and, and companies to the market through this uh, podcast. We're going to change it up. Not that Catherine's not cool. She's one of the coolest. Um, but we're going to we're going to change it up a little bit today and kind of talk about the uh, the mortgage market and specifically kind of the mortgage marketing space from a digital perspective. Because Catherine's mm -hmm. one of the one of the experts in that space. So that's our what we're going to cover today. If you've tuned in for something different, you're in for a treat. Let me tell you. So Catherine, first of all, welcome and thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. We've been trying to do this, Brian. I know we're both very busy, but <laughs> so respect everything that you have done, uh, particularly in the last few years. I mean, think about how far we have come in this industry. And um, I've been in marketing, digital marketing, since I was in San Francisco, the very early days of it, you know, like in 1999, I want to dive into that dot-com thing and uh it wasn't very long before it became dot bomb, right? <laughs> right, right, right. In 2003, we all had to like get away from it to figure out because everyone lost funding. And, and I became a loan officer actually for Wells Fargo Bank. And that's where everybody went was, was mortgage, right? The mortgages were, yeah. were roaring. And, and then as soon as we got funding, I got back into technology. And what happened in those early days was that we could say, you know, and I still should remember the guy who says this because I use his line all the time. You know, I know 50% of my marketing works. I just don't know which 50% of it is. <laughs> the first time I went to, there was a major digital agency out of Seattle. And I asked my boss if I could go up there because I wanted to understand these analytics behind some of the, some of the sites that we were trying to promote. And we were just doing the early days of advertising online, you know, a banner ad, you know, and a button ad. And we're going to yeah. do this called a pop-up. It'll just pop up and everybody will just buy it because it popped <laughs> up. And then the pop-up blocker was like 10 seconds later, you know, came up. So anyway, uh, I go to Avenue A is the name of the, the agency. And they explain the hybrid model that they would like to implement. So I think this is like 2001, okay? And what they would like to implement is that instead of just a, a CPM, which for advertisers, we know that's a cost per thousand. So every time, you know, a thousand people look at your ad, you should pay $20, right? That should right. be worth 20 bucks or whatever, you know, whatever the value is of the ad. Some people, we, you know, we were only paying $3 too because their brands were not as known. They said, what we're going to do is we can tell if someone clicks the ad, if it came from your website or not. And we had websites like sports websites. We were aggregating content for women's websites and all that stuff. And so um, since we can tell if it came from your site, we will give you so much money per click. So this was the first hybrid concept. And then they said, now, this was like a few months later, we can actually tell if there was an acquisition. Did they actually purchase? And just to tell you how sophisticated our advertisers were at the time, this particular big advertiser, big spender was Time Magazine. Yeah, you that's imagine pretty good. Like, yeah. Over. So anyway, I was like, in. I was like, this is so cool. And, and uh, none of my bosses, which were much, much older than me and had been in advertising for years, thought anything was cool about this, you know, no. and, but I, I love the performance marketing. And that was when it really began, you know, when Google Analytics and these players came on board and could tell us 
success. That was either very exciting or you got out. Yeah. Yeah. I think your, your experience is so unique in, in terms of, um, you know, being a chief marketing officer in mortgage, because you, you started in traditional, you know, kind of the traditional media space, not, not financial services specific, certainly not mortgage specific. So what you just described was, are, are things that a lot of people in, inside a mortgage certainly at that time had no clue, you know, right. what was going on. But then your pivot from there into, you know, the street level originations facing off directly with consumers in a, in a sales production role to then move back into the, the marketing space to support mortgage. I think it's so unique and valuable that I want to, I think people need to understand that that your experience uniquely qualifies you to have have these conversations and and to talk about what works and how how consumers think and especially in the digital space. Absolutely, thank you. Well, that you know when when I joined Mortgage full time, that was in 2017, and uh, the first company I was with uh, brought me in because they wanted to run a point of sale system. And I'll just tell you, it was Blend and they were very nervous. Blend's on Kearney Street in San Francisco. So obviously when they came in to do, to do the demo, I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, I know right where you are. And uh, tell me that you're recruiting from Intuit because that UI of like TurboTax is so good. And they're like, yeah, we actually do recruit from Intuit. I'm like, good, because your UI yeah. is really good. So, you know, understanding uh, the consumer earlier than the mortgage industry was something I could I could really help this company with. And they said, gosh, you understand this so well, will you come in full time? And I was like, it's just a point of sale system. It's feel, feel, first name, first name. I, I can do this. I don't, you know, that was yeah. consulting at the time. And they said, no, we're nervous. It's a big spend. We don't understand it. Will you come on full board? And when I looked at the mortgage industry at large, it was just like a kid in a candy store. It was so exciting how much opportunity there was. And it was really the last industry to evolve, right? It was the last yeah. industry, the most laggard in technology. And so I dove right in. And you know what what happens is that um anytime there's change, okay, go go back to the 70s. Anytime there has ever been change where a technology, a computer was going to come help you do your job, right? Uh, even even underwriting, you know, automated underwriting systems, AUS, when that first yeah. came out, all, all oh. of the underwriters thought everybody was going to lose their job, you know? Yeah. No, and we're, so not, we're not going to do this. <laughs> right. And then here comes the point of sales system, all the salespeople, they're not going to need me. I'm never sending that link. I'm never going to do it. Like, you know, like the taxi drivers could really compete with Uber, you know, just don't, just don't use Uber. You know? right. Just have this smelly, crappy experience with me. Keep doing that. You know? So it's, it's, you know, it's this inevitable evolution. And the point is that if technology can, it will. That's just the bottom line. And so clearly look at us today. Uh, the point of sale system, was highly utilized, really starting 2018, but through COVID, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, and, everybody had to get into that space. <laughs> that's right. And guess what percentage of people worked with people to get a mortgage? A hundred. I think a hundred. <laughs> There's no one was able to get a mortgage without people, right? So right. we still have underwriters, we still have loan officers. Now, I'm not going to um, deny that the, the capability of technology today and the integration of AI uh, in, into these tools is not going to significantly change everyone's jobs. And relatively soon. I mean, really, the capabilities yeah. that technology have, has is, is really come along. But if you think of any job, um, you know, I always like to talk about the travel industry because 
we do not drive around and look for a travel agent so we can write a check for an right. airline ticket and get the tickets in our hand, right? That was in my lifetime. I know yeah, I'm, yeah. Older, but I'm not that old, right? So that's what we used to do when we were kids. And and we wouldn't even think about that today. And so it's, it doesn't matter which industry you're in. And, and one thing this industry is learning, I think, but it's was very hard to sort of understand is it's the technology as it comes into the industry is not some technology person's job, right? You know, I, I was the CDO, now I'm the CMO. And I tell you, there's a very fine line between those two because you could hardly do marketing without having performance you know, and scalability and measurement yeah. behind it, which involves understanding and integrating the technologies. And, um, you know, they they uh, just, you know, weren't really working in tandem with, with uh, you know, across departments. You know, they weren't really, you know, these companies were telling the closing teams, hey, go get an e-closing solution. Telling the sales team, go get a point sale system you like. Telling the marketing team, go get a CRM you like. And the integration and this, you know, this, this syncing them, you know, understanding the uh, sometimes redundancy in them now yeah. um, was not really part of the initial plan. So, you know, here we are, uh, 2023, the future is very bright. There's been tons of money put into technology. And it, you know, in the South, I always say this, there's a saying in the South that says, you got to hurt them to heal them. You ever, you ever <laughs> hear that? <laughs> In 2020, you know, nobody was hurt other than the fact COVID was going on. The mortgage industry yeah. was like, bring it on, bring it on. You want us to use a link? That's fine because I don't have time anyway, right? That, you know, there was, there was really no hurt to be healed other than the fact we could not meet. And so the, yeah. the technology healed that that's problem very quickly, very timely. Today, this market is hurt, right? Every, every, this hurts, this market does. And so the healing is we have to actually get efficient with these tools. There is an expectation today because of how much money has gone into marketing. You know, look at look at the big digital marketers, you know, go online and get a loan. Love what that's why I tell my team, you gotta love when you see that because we yeah. can't afford that. We can't afford a nationwide radio, you know, commercial. But since they're driving them to the web to search, I can I can compete right there. We can afford right. that. So now the expectation from the consumer. It's changing for mortgage because they started the product online. So if yep. I started the product online and I could give you all this information, I could just log into my bank accounts and you pull my transactions. I could just, you know, put my social security number and trust that you've pulled my credit somewhere back there. There were obviously a different agency and all these things happen. Why am I having to come see you to sign the final documents? I signed all the, all the initial disclosures yeah. online, you know? So, the um, biggest shift, I believe, that's happening in the industry today that certainly is affecting marketing teams is, um, and, and frankly, I think it's, it has everything to do with, with uh, Finlocker and what you're doing, is the communication and the seamlessness for the borrower. That all decisions we make today about technology and the processes we put a borrower through, as well as our own loan officers and ops teams through, needs to be a borrower first decision. Yes. That's a major flip. You know, we've always been so LO decision, whatever the LO wants, and they certainly have their pulse to the market. There's no doubt about it. Loan officers do. But when you really understand that when you make that it very easy and you use apps like Finlocker and, you know, some of the AI where they can get instant information, the LO becomes the hero, not the yeah. not needed, 
they become the hero of all the work that we're doing back here. The LO is the face and becomes the hero. I love that. I, I've been talking about um, this concept of scaling locally. Mm-hmm. And and you you kind of hit it on the head. The, the biggest brand in mortgage, I happen to be in um, the mortgage city, used to be known as we were music, not music city, Motown, uh, Motor right. City. Today we're the mortgage city, Detroit, right? And sure. the, the two biggest lenders happen to be, I'm, I'm equidistant between the two of them. So I'm sometimes, you know, duck, ducking from the, uh, the the gunfire between these guys. But Quicken in, or Rocket in particular, we know that they're, they're the master of talking to consumers about home financing, right? And what they're not, what they haven't solved for, I think they're going to try to figure this out and they're seeing the value in the, the, the local expert, the local professional, the, lo- the local mortgage originator, coupled with their mega brand and their marketing and their technology. And, and I think when I think of, when I, when I talk about, you know, scaling locally, what, I, what I'm really saying is that the value of the local loan officer has not been minimized. It's, it's actually more important today than ever, and given the type of market we're in, which is all purchase, right? And it's all purchase and it's 30 to 40% first-time home buyers. These are typically home buyers and, and, and consumers that need help. They need expertise. They need financial mentoring and coaching. And not knocking, you know, call centers, but you just don't get the same uh, caliber of professional in those platforms. So the scaling locally to me is all about as a loan officer, aligning yourself with a platform, a lender that has the right tech stack, the right digital experience that's consumer first, that values me as a, as a professional, as an expert. And, and when you couple those two together, I think that's like a, a winning strategy that is that can take on the rockets of the world. I'd love your perspective on that. I absolutely agree with you. That it's so I, I even call it hyperlocal, right? Because you know, some of these guys you'll get an online lead from the website, let's say, and and then you know you send it off. And uh, since we don't have any branches in Florida, I'll use Florida as a neutral <laughs> Switzerland over there. So let's say that somebody's in Pensacola, Florida, and they do an application, right? But let, let's say we had a branch in um, Tallahassee, and uh, they found out that we gave the the Pensacola. Uh, lead to our consumer direct team since we don't have a, a branch in that yeah. region. And they'd be like, but we're in Florida. I'm like, okay, well, you can't actually own all Florida. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive to run a, an efficient website, right? Search engine optimization, often paid search, definitely display. These things are expensive and the corporation is paying for them. And it's, and it's not stuff we even need lo- loan officers to worry about or think about because it ultimately drives a priority for the result uh, through a search in your region too. Yes, right? so yes, it's yes, yes. for your benefit too. But I uh, know you don't get the Pensacola lead, but let's say that, you know, they're sponsoring little league, um, uh, teams, they're, they're putting up, you know, bus benches, banner ads, uh, sponsoring church bulletins, you know, they are, they're very active. They've joined groups, you know, they're running uh, parent committees. They're, they're very engaged and that can go, let's say even a 15 mile radius around their office or home. Okay. But not really much further than that. Okay. Right. Arguably we could talk about leads being distributed. That that's fine. But then, you know, even, a, even a 30, 40 mile range, I don't care, but um, when when you're trying to grow your brand, you have to have a hyper local presence, right? And so yeah. that means 
map out on a map the 15 miles. Find the hospitals that you can partner with and be a preferred lender with. Find the schools that will let you come and bring donuts on Teacher's Day. Like, get more one-to-many in that hyper-local effort than trying to do so much one-to-one just with you and a realtor. Because even though the realtor is going to be more than one-to-one, it's still not one to very many, right? If you right. get three, four deals from a realtor a year, that's about average from a from a decent referring realtor. Those that get 20 deals or whatever, those are the hyper LOs, right? Yeah. They're not even yeah. listening to our, web, our little webinar here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, the average LO needs to be thinking, how do I own this 15-mile radius? So I agree with you completely. I love that. And it, it, this is the perfect market, right? You, clearly, two and a half years ago, you know, we all everyone had more more business falling out of out of trees into their lap than they could handle and and consumers and, and it was an eighty percent refi market so you know doing everything every loan officer was virtually a call center loan officer back then if you want to think of it that way they that they, they were forced to by the pandemic and the consumers doing a refi are are totally comfortable with that execution but I go back to the first time home buyer and it, there's very few of them that are financially savvy enough to go through this process completely digitally online. They need, they have questions. And sadly, uh, if we, if we think about our educational system, both at the, you know, middle school to high school level, and certainly in college, there's not a lot of personal finance, like real practical personal finance that gets taught. I'm of the opinion that, you know, and and the other piece of it is, there's clearly there's a, a whole financial advisory business that's out there and those people do great, but those people are probably more likely to work with you and I because of our where we are in our life and what we've amassed in terms of assets versus someone who's just starting their financial life. There's not a lot of upside initially for a financial advisor to spend a lot of time with someone who's just out of college. I think the loan officer in the community can fill a massive uh, void around financial wellness, financial education, yes. as long as it's tied to an objective. And the objective is ultimately someday owning a home, which most people want to do that. So I think there's a there's a huge opportunity for loan officers if they can think beyond today's pipeline and, and, and put the work in today that's going to not reap benefits till 12, 18, 36 months from now to really build a, a strong business using financial education is that starting point. I am going to have you come speak to our loan officers, Brian. <laughs> I could not agree with you more. It is particularly from getting out of 21, 20 and 2021, 20, it is so hard to get back to sort of the basics of business, but the basics of business aren't even the same today as they were in 2017, 2018. The consumer's expectation has completely changed. The amount of content available online is very good. We've all been building it up for the last four years, right? There's not yeah. just one source to go, right? There's lots of downloadable guides and all kinds of information. And so if the LO does exactly that, they think of um, the, uh, their jobs a little differently in two ways. One is to be of service to your database. And so you want to grow yeah. that database every day, every single day, because you never know when the service is needed. Like, you know what, yeah. I'm thinking about getting a car and I remember you telling me don't get a new car and I couldn't remember why. 
that is a great conversation. Oh, that was because we were in the middle of your mortgage. You know, well, let's look at your DTI while I've got you on the phone. What kind of car do you want? What kind of payment is, let's just, let me work with you on it. I mean, there's yeah. just a simple little task that you've been a resource to someone. Who do you think they're going to call the next time they need the financial transaction? That is the one you do, right? So servicing their book of business could not agree with you more. The other is that it used to be that we started with the consumer with the 1003. And that was so critical that when that felt like it went away and largely it has, you know, the, the realtor may even just be sending that link out for you. Um, it's still like, well, where, where do I fit in this process now? Yeah. The loan officer just needs to be available when the consumer decides they're ready to talk. For some of these consumers, it is at the 1003. Okay, well, I'm yep. really confused what you mean by this, right? For some consumers, it's not until final disclosure, right? It's like just, you know, final docs go. It's it. So between chat and text and email and phone, it's be available for on all of them when the consumer comes to you. You know, be yeah. regular communications, checking in on them from time to time, but don't panic if you've gotten all the way through the appraisal and you still haven't heard from them and you're like, I think we're really doing this deal, right? <laughs> this is when they're ready. Just be available because they'll need you. Yeah, I love that. And, and I would even add that well before the point of sale, they may need you at the point of thought. When someone's just starting to think about what it would mean to own my first home, I'm 23 years old, got my first, you know, real job and but i'm not i'm not ready yet but my goal is by the time i'm 25 i want to own a home i would if i'm a local loan officer i'd be finding those types of consumers all day long and starting to build a trusted relationship with them helping them for that two-year period until they're emotionally ready you're going to be the, the the resource to help them get financially ready and you said this earlier who do you think they're going to pick or choose when it is time to to get the financing for that home. And then how many of their 25 year old friends are like, oh, how'd you do this? Who'd you do this with? Yeah. Because for everybody in your database, they have a database. Absolutely. So, you know, you got to see beyond when you're servicing someone, just them. It's, you know, who are all the people you know? I, I love the 23 year old analogy that, I mean, it's not even an analogy. That's just a perfect example. Of so let's stay on, let's stay on that, that cohort for a minute and you kind of already hit on this in terms of content. Um, we know that that 23-ish year old consumer is native digital. <laughs> they're born with this thing in their hands, right? So they're always on it. And that's where they're getting, that's where they're first doing all of their research is on their phone. And I've been studying um, a bunch of loan officers that are very active on social media. And it's amazing to me how many people are doing their research on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube for months before they're actually going to talk to anybody, right? And so I'd love your thoughts on kind of where we are today and how social media plays a role specifically for the local loan officer. This is where I go back to the scaling locally, because all the things you talked about doing in the community, Little League sponsorship, first-time homebuyer seminars being at the PTA and at the church, you start adding on top of that a, a social media presence. And that's where that that scaling locally really can can accelerate for a loan officer, I believe. Absolutely. And like for a hundred bucks a month. 
right? You're, yeah. So there's this top of mind, uh, you know, obviously there's very powerful top of mind. It's just, you know, whenever I'm thinking about mortgage, because what are we doing? We're targeting certain audience styles that says you've probably, probably been thinking about mortgage if I have this ad appear in front of you, right? So there's sort of top of mind there. And then obviously it's just that 15 mile radius. You trying to get other people, you know, grow the presence of your page, you know, just general likes and shares so that you can own that 15 mile radius. And and that is where social really might be able to help you get to more like a 25 mile radius, right? So yeah. absolutely that, that can do that. The, it is so critical that people recognize who they're looking to attract. So instead of who they want to be, well, who do I want to be? Do I want to be the mortgage king? Do I right. want to be the, the smart person? Do I want to be, you know, the analytical? Like, do I want to talk about the market? Do I just stop and think about who your consumers are? And so when you think about them and how they're ingesting most of their content, it's very casual social media. Here's what I promise you. No matter which of those categories you pick, I pick them all because you know more than they do. On right. all of them, okay? When yeah. it's to mortgages. And so it's just a matter of how you, how they're consuming data. I can't tell you how many times I would have loan officers say, hey, I just got licensed in another uh, state. Could you please do a, a social media post that shows the states that I'm licensed in and has my headshot like really big? Okay, well, all right, we are in, I'll pick a state. Let's say we're in Texas and you just got licensed in Ohio. I, I am very happy for you, but I can't tell yeah. you that the people who follow you in Texas don't really care. I mean, the, but they could know somebody in Ohio. Yes, they, they could know. Yeah. That. <laughs> but yeah. here's the deal, just get on social media and say, I just got licensed in Ohio. Don't forget if you know anybody. And then don't do it once. Don't take our flashy fancy, which is why I started charging $50, by the way. We're going to build, <laughs> we're going to take time to build this fancy, flashy, slick, post that you're going to post one time, yeah. even if they did know someone in Ohio, do you think they're going to remember that next 14 months later when their friend in Ohio mentions it? You know, you got to be posting that stuff regularly. So you can't get enough flashy, slick marketing posts. You just got to be talking to people about who you are and what you offer. And I, I love that part because everyone's walking around with something that can help you talk and, and record what you say and put it out there, right? It's authentic. That's right. Authentic no, is the key. I think that's that's the the uh, what's what's working and playing today is it's not you know the canned one piece of content that you see two hundred loan officers post on a Monday morning because it just came available. Right. It's it's taking the same message in the content, mm -hmm. but then putting it in that loan officer's own voice, perhaps in better doing it in a video so that your your people your customers your prospects can get to know you through that 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 vehicle. I think that's that's where I'm seeing uh, a lot of traction with loan officers that are starting to build. And you hit it on this as well. They're, they're building their database today so that they're prepared to be of service when somebody in that database is ready to be served. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So good. This is, this, we could probably do this. We, we talked about this before we hit record. We could do this for hours. I know, and, I didn't uh, know where you wanted to cut it. Yeah, exactly. Let's cut it. <laughs> oh, this was awesome. I love it. Um, I think it's super helpful. Good. Um, we're going to do this again because there's a, there's a, another layer we can, you know, continue to kind of peel at this thing. Big other layer. Yeah, let's talk about the, um, the technology automation for these loan officers next. Exactly, exactly. So, Catherine, this was long overdue. Thanks for Thank you. spending a few minutes with me on the podcast. Um, congratulations on your 
your role at Annie Mac, and I'm looking forward to watching uh, watching great things happen there and having you back on in a future episode. Thank you. We are doing some incredible things, so stay tuned for that. Happy Friday, and thank you, Brian. Thanks, Catherine. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Come back again next Friday.